Well, a good day to all of you who are joining us today. I'm George Papianis, Chief of Media at UNESCO, and uh, this is part of our ongoing podcast series that we do called Talking About Culture. We are very lucky to have with us here in our studios in Paris, Karima Benoun, the special rapporteur in the field of cultural rights. That's a bit of a mouthful, Karima, so perhaps you can help us uh, understand exactly what it is that you do and what are we talking about when we talk about cultural rights. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here with you at UNESCO. Special Rapporteurs are part of the special procedures of the UN Human Rights Council, and Kofi Annan once referred to these as the crown jewels of the UN human rights system. We are independent experts appointed by the UN Human Rights Council and reporting to the Council, but we do not work for the United Nations. The cultural rights uh, mandate in particular covers the right to take part in cultural life without any discrimination, as guaranteed both by the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and by the International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights. Uh, these are very important uh, core rights that go to the heart of who we are as human beings, but it is also central to understand that they are part of the universal human rights system. They are not uh, meant to be excuses for or justifications of violations of other human rights or of discrimination uh, or violence against anyone. They are a part of the universal human rights system, and we need to understand very clearly the important relationship between cultural diversity and universality. These principles go together at the root of our human rights system. And so as the special rapporteur, what are you doing in terms of identifying the issues that need to be unpacked? So every year I present two thematic reports, one to the Human Rights Council and one to the General Assembly. In my first year, my thematic focus was on the protection of cultural heritage and the intentional destruction of cultural heritage as a violation of human rights. So looking at that very specifically as a human rights issue. And we know that the right to access and enjoy cultural heritage is indeed part of the right to take part in cultural life. In my second year in 2016, I have focused in particular on the impact of diverse forms of fundamentalism and extremism on the enjoyment of cultural rights. And just a few weeks ago, I presented a report to the General Assembly specifically on the impact of diverse forms of fundamentalism and extremism on the cultural rights of women. And what I want to do now going forward is to focus on the implementation of the very critical recommendations that I have made in these areas, and I hope to collaborate with UNESCO in that process. Is it the cultural rights of women, or is it women's rights within a cultural framework where potentially there are not given the opportunities that might be afforded to women, let's say, in another culture. Both aspects are critically important to, I think, a holistic understanding of women's human rights. And my predecessor as special rapporteur, Farida Shahid from Pakistan, uh, really proposed, uh, I think, an important paradigm shift, which is that we not see culture simply as an obstacle to the enjoyment of women's human rights. And it's true, and as she noted, all too often culture is used as an excuse to justify violations of women's rights. And that is completely unacceptable. That is not 
not part of cultural rights, but she proposed moving beyond just seeing culture as an obstacle to fighting for women's equal right to take part in cultural life, women's equal cultural rights, which includes their right to participate in the process of deciding which culture and which cultural practices and traditions to take forward uh, and which to leave behind because we no longer understand them to be consistent with international human rights norms, including those guaranteeing the rights of women. I guess this gets into this whole issue of cultural relativism and that empowers some groups to say, well, we can, this is part of our culture, whether you think it's a human rights abuse or not, is none of your business. Cultural rights are absolutely not the same thing as cultural relativism, and I have said this in nearly every single uh, one of my reports from the very beginning, and Farida Shahid, my predecessor, also was a very strong champion, both of the importance of the universality of human rights, uh, but again, of understanding the relationship between cultural diversity uh, and universality. Uh, And I think it is central uh, to defend uh, the right to take part in cultural life without discrimination. But again, to understand that as a set of rights which need to be enjoyed in the context of broader universal human rights. those That broader universal human rights uh, framework utterly rejecting uh, discrimination against groups of people, uh, including against women, utterly uh, rejecting violence, including uh, violence against women. Uh, and so I think it is uh, central to where we are now and the challenges that we face uh, as human beings uh, that we find a way forward uh, to defending cultural rights, which go to the core of who human beings are, but to defending them in a way that is consonant in accordance with human dignity, which is what the universality of human rights uh, is all about. Cultural rights are not an excuse for violations of human rights, but cultural rights are an absolutely core and central part of human rights understood within a universal human rights framework. So you've really got to get into this at some point when you start to pick it apart, because in some ways you're into a a space where you're defending culture and defending cultural rights. So one thing that we've made very clear since the beginning of this mandate was that the goal was not per se the defense of culture. The goal of the mandate is the defense of the right of all human beings, again, without discrimination, to take part in cultural life, including to take part in the process of deciding uh, which cultural practices uh, to continue, uh, which cultural practices they do not wish to participate in, not imposing uh, cultural practices on others nor excluding others uh, from uh, cultural practices. And I think that is critically important to understand. The mandate certainly says a great deal about culture and the relationship between human beings uh, with culture, but it is not about protecting culture per se. George Papayanis uh, at UNESCO uh, with uh, Karima Benoon, the special rapporteur for cultural rights. And Karima, you've uh, chosen to focus um, somewhat intentionally on the destruction of cultural heritage as a central part of your mandate. Are you expanding that mandate? In the process of working on cultural heritage, am I expanding the cultural rights uh, mandate? Uh, That's a very good question, but the answer is a resounding no. The Committee on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, which is the UN committee overseeing the Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, has made very clear uh, that the right to access and enjoy uh, cultural heritage, including the cultural heritage of others, is a core part of the right to take part in cultural life under Article 15 of the Covenant on Economic, Social, 
on cultural rights, which is right at the heart of my mandate. So in fact, I was working on and, and am continuing to work on uh, an issue that I think is really central uh, to cultural rights. And what I've advocated for, again, is a human rights approach, which again, does not emphasize the protection of cultural heritage per se, but emphasizes the importance of the relationship between human beings and the cultural heritage, uh, and talks about how critical it is also for the right uh, to freedom of religion or belief, to the right to freedom of expression, uh, the right to education, including the right to learn history and the histories of others. So focusing on the human dimension uh, of cultural heritage and really trying to take a holistic view, looking at the issue of the destruction of cultural heritage in all regions of the world by both state and non-state uh, actors and both tangible and intangible uh, heritage. And I know UNESCO works on both both of these aspects of heritage. And I think this holistic approach is a critical one, and also responding with urgency to the destructions of heritage, but taking a long view, thinking strategically and in a principled way. Who are we to say that your interpretation of your heritage, and its cultural components, is not in line with what we believe to be, be the values of the 21st century? What are we using as a, as a ballast, in a sense, to maintain equilibrium on what can be, if I continue with this metaphor, the choppy seas that you navigate when you begin to explore whether or not someone's cultural rights are an infringement on someone's human rights? Uh, so, you know, the question is not my personal opinion. The question is the international standards within which uh, cultural rights are anchored. Uh, and these, as I said, include the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, both of which prohibit uh, discrimination, including discrimination against uh, women. Uh, so this is not a subjective uh, question. It is a very objective question when judged against the international standards, and I think it is critical important uh, to be clear about that. Uh, again, uh, cultural rights are uh, not an alibi for unacceptable practices. Uh, cultural rights are a very important part of who we are, but culture changes and transforms, and this is true of all human cultures throughout all time. And over time, we make new decisions about what is no longer acceptable. Slavery was once considered an acceptable part of social and cultural practice, and today, rightly, we reject that entirely as being incompatible with our contemporary understanding of human dignity in accordance with international standards. And the same thing is true of uh, violence against women. And so part of what cultural rights is about is defending the, the process whereby uh, human beings can take part in deciding which cultural practices are no longer in accordance with our standards on human dignity, with our standards on uh, humane treatment, with our standards on uh, non-discrimination discrimination. And cultural rights are precisely about making sure that that happens, not blocking it. And I appreciate very much you giving me the opportunity to make that critically important distinction. Does politics muck this up? Uh, I mean, I think we always uh, operate in the human rights field knowing that there is a political uh, backdrop. And I think our role as international experts uh, is to raise issues of 
human rights violations, in my case, cultural rights violations across the board, not to politicize the issue. So with regard to destruction of cultural heritage, I have both looked at the issue of destruction by uh, extremist non-state actors such as Daesh, but I have also looked at the issue of destruction of cultural heritage and allegations of that destruction by states uh, such as uh, uh, the actions of Saudi Arabia and the Saudi-led coalition in Yemen, but I've also looked at the actions of Western states and settler colonial states in the past in terms of the systematic destruction of the cultural heritage of indigenous peoples. That is our role, uh, to use the same standards and to look around the world holistically at this multiplicity of actors. Give me a vision of a future that you want to see as the special rapporteur in this area of cultural rights? I think right now in the world, we have got to face up to the challenges of diverse forms of fundamentalism and extremism, including far-right extremism in the West, and the way in which all of these forms of extremism are threatening cultural rights, uh, cultural diversity, uh, and the right of people to take part in cultural life without discrimination. And trying to close the doors of the human soul, the human mind, and indeed, uh, literally, of all of our countries. Cultural rights and, and culture involves the interaction of human beings and human groups. And I truly believe that the default setting of the human spirit is open, not closed. Uh, and so my vision for the future is indeed uh, defending this vision of an open world in which we can share culture, in which we can celebrate diversity, and we can enjoy it in accordance with universally guaranteed human rights. All right, I've got to, I've got to get the pull quote here because this is where we're going to wrap things up, but the default setting for the human spirit is open, not closed. Karima Benun, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us here on Talking About Culture here at UNESCO. Your contributions and your work, of course, highly regarded, and uh, glad to have you on the job. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. 